0: Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shawnee B. Uh, we're outside on an Irish summer's day at my friend Vogue's house. So I'm hoping we'll come back and bar back uh, this conversation. When I say Irish summer, it's uh, overcast and will probably rain. And there is a car alarm going off in the background just to give it that really authentic Dublin suburb uh, feel. Thanks again for all of your support, continued uh, sharing, and a lot of you went and uh, kindly rated the podcast. We live in an algorithm state at the moment, and apparently what happens is if you rate something, it goes up some fucking ladder somewhere, and you end up getting more listens. So if you could rate it when you see it, that'd be great. I've got a very interesting guest. I'm really looking forward to this today. Um, A guy who I met for the first time about 20 minutes ago. (laughs) And uh, he is a bit of a legend from Australia who's in Dublin for two nights only to see Aerosmith. And we have very little in common except the fact that we're good yappers. So it should be interesting. There should be a good bit of banter going on. He's um, famous as kind of the Mr. Rugby of Australia, Mr. Rugby League of Australia. We'll get into the differences between Rugby League and Rugby Union for uh, those people, there's a train going by, by the way, so that might happen from now on. He's a, a, a famous rugby league journalist. He's a writer whose new book is coming out called Touchstones. We'll talk about that. And he is also really interested in rock and roll and music. And he has his own podcast, which gets a lot more listeners than I do. And we've been sharing some little tips on that. His name is Steve Mascord. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Podcasting and Podcasting is
1: the other thing we have in common
0: we do so yeah. Steve's podcast is nothing called nothing
1: more boring than two podcasters on a podcast talking about podcasts Well, at least
0: we're not doing that sherry thing <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. people go get that fucking Irish guy off your podcast <laughs> <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve's podcast we might start there. Is called White Line Fever and I had to look that up I thought it was something to do with the fact that all the rugby league players in Australia are doing cocaine <laughs> at the moment and getting a lot of shit for it but White Line Fever for the Irish and maybe uh, non-rugby followers is that guy who goes out on the pitch and doesn't pass the Ball because he wants to score himself, kind of thing. Is yeah,
1: right? or it's, or yeah, yeah, someone who, um, whose uh, senses desert them when they cross the sideline, the white line. Yeah. however, that may manifest itself, whether it's uh, punching someone, or oh, so they go head, crazy, head highing someone, or hogging the ball, right. or whatever. And yeah. I, I think in the states, <laughs> it referred to people who uh, who get mesmerized, like long distance truck drivers who get mesmerized oh, by the line yeah, in the middle yeah, of the road. Yeah when Lemmy referred to it in a song, and his biography yeah. was White Line Fever, I think it might have been about touring and the monotony of touring and stuff like that. So
0: why did you pick that as the name for your podcast? Because
1: it does have a sort of rock and roll and also rugby league connotations, and the podcast is is an attempt to marry the two together. So far, unsuccessfully. You know, they don't go together as well as I'd like them to so far, but, um, I, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so listen, we started this conversation by saying there's two and a half sports that I hate. There's actually... Three and a half sports I hate. I, I half hate baseball because I think it's overpriced rounders, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually prefer cricket to baseball. Although well, the, the Americans have no idea. They go, what do you what do you mean? You you got a game that lasts for five days and it can still be a tie? Yeah, they yeah. They have yeah. no concept of that. Basketball is, in my view, stupid because they should just start the, each game at ninety nine each and play for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm I hate rugby, and the reason I hate rugby is because I don't think anybody knows the rules of rugby. That's including the union. people who play it,
1: but that's rugby union. Rugby union is very uh, convoluted, and it's it's an, a very old sport. Uh, rugby league is is rugby union for simpletons, you know. So, <laughs> so I don't think I think if you watch the game of rugby league, you might find it boring, violent, any you might any number of disparaging terms you might want to use. But I don't think confusing would be one of them because okay. uh,
0: I grew up. Uh, we're a similar vintage myself and Steve to quite a lot of rugby league under duress because we didn't have live soccer but there was a lot of live rugby league St Helens and Widness and Eddie Waring and all these guys right <laughs> <laughs> and he in all up and under and he's you know, he was a legend he was, he a, was legend. On a knockout too he was, host he, was knockout, he was well yeah, done yeah him and Stuart Hall and uh, we'd have to suffer this sort of game and it was it was big when I lived in Sydney in Australia particularly the state of origin hmm. And that's that's the big sort of annual kind of do up there, right? State of Origin, and it's on
1: now. It's such a pantomime, the whole Origin thing. It's like it it is to me. It's no more real than wrestling. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just the same things get said each year, and everyone takes it so seriously in New South Wales and Queensland. And in rugby, it's such a small sport that no one's impartial at Origin time. There's no one who can sits above Origin and says, actually, that's really silly. Because yeah. everyone is so invested in it emotionally, and you know, in a lot of cases in my business professionally, they're blinded to logic every yeah. year. So I find it hilarious.
0: The um, <coughs> World Cup of Rugby League is happening, which I thought was rather amusing. Well, the, World, like the, the
1: World Cup of Rugby League predates the Rugby Union World Cup by over really, twenty years. Ah. It's the second, oldest presumably always only
0: won by England or Australia.
1: Um, well, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand won it in two thousand and eight. But the World Cup of Rugby League was uh, started by the French in 1953, which means it predates most World Cups aside from the Soccer World Cup. I am amused by, even Rugby League fans say the same as you, people who say they're rugby league fans say, why are we playing one? Uh, I think
0: Ireland even have a team. Ireland have a team. I've never even heard of anyone playing it here.
1: It is, I mean, the thing about the world now is that most sports are played in most places, so there's probably a thriving ice hockey scene here in Dublin, you just don't know about it. But yeah, even rugby league fans say that, and I'm like, well, should we just stop playing because you're very cynical? You know, <laughs> we shouldn't have any more World Cups because <laughs> you think it's funny. If we've been having it since 1953, I reckon. Keep. And keep is it happening it. in Samoa?
0: No, uh, in, in Port Moresby or somewhere. The, the
1: 2017 World Cup has been co-hosted by PNG, Papua New Guinea, again, where yeah. it's the national sport, and Australia and New Zealand. And there's very few games in Sydney. Sydney's only hosting a couple of games.
0: The the issues that are besetting the sport, as far as I can ascertain, are things like some of them similar to what's happening in the NFL in America, the concussion issues. Mm-hmm. Parents sort of being a lot more kind of cautious about letting their kids play.
1: You're going to give podcasters a bad name by doing research. Please don't. Okay, do that. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, there was a lad from Waringa Rats I, I heard who died uh, recently.
1: Uh, that was that's right. That's rugby union. Was though. that? Yeah, we, we had we had unfortunately in rugby league two years ago we had five deaths in one year, including in South Africa. You oh, didn't okay. think rugby league was played there either, did you? Well, but, I presume the South Africans uh, yeah, played it. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, we had uh, five deaths in one year, for one of which was a uh, concussion-related. And um, in the NRL in 2014, uh, we had a fellow break his neck, and he's still in the wheelchair. Where do you stand on that? Where do I stand on it? Um, I was on the sideline for that game. And strangely enough, uh, I went straight to the airport after the game, and I flew to New York uh, on a mid-season, and it was a terrible thing. He wasn't a friend of mine. I didn't know him. I don't think I'd even met him, Alex McKinnon. But you know, sitting on a plane and not knowing how he was, and then arriving and he finding, you know, he, he, no, he didn't. He's got uh, oh. he's still, like I said, he's still he's in a wheelchair, wheelchair. and okay. The game has really looked after him. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously disturbing if you witness a tragedy like that at, at close quarters. I think anyone who has because uh, a cricketer were died last year as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, hit in the temple yeah. with uh, with a, with a cricket ball. So. I don't know, where do I stand on it? It's terrible. I mean, should we can talk about the future of body contact sport, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think give it another 120 years and we won't be playing body contact sport. Yeah. No, I'd, was it Rollerball? Was that an early Spielberg movie, Rollerball? Yeah, yeah. Where James uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where based, I think maybe that was maybe the way body contact sport will end up and it kind of already is in America. I mean, yeah. if unless you actually make it as a pro, yeah. you stop playing completely, you know what I mean? And, and uh, maybe that's the way body contact sport is is heading everywhere because you know just the the cost of insurance and everything is is skyrocketing and as we do in generally in society we have illnesses and injuries now that we have a name for and we didn't even talk about them 10 years ago
0: and the idea that parents are kids are so mollycoddled one of the people on my podcast uh, John Devlin was made made the nice analogy of habitat. The kids' habitat has shrunk from like three or four miles from their house where mm. parents were happy uh you go off on your bikes and as he said you'd you'd find a dead fox in the wood and you poke mm. her with a stick. Mm. You know, it's now like they're they're locked in well, helicopter
1: parenting. Helicopter parenting, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And uh Coupled with the, um, the 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 recreational drug use issue, which seems to have been something that's happened um, recently, and everyone's getting a bit up in arms in it. What's what's your thinking on that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, also, there's been some um, performance enhancing uh, issues, which we've had probably had for the last twenty years. Now, okay. What are my thoughts on players and recreational drug use? My thoughts are this: that as Media facing businesses, it is normal for the NRL or professional sports, professional sports clubs, to try to predict uh, things which are going to have a negative impact on their businesses. Quite apart from the uh, aspect of privacy uh, or uh, wowserism, you know the Australian term wowserism, it means uh, being against everything interesting. I think it's it's totally within the remit of NRL clubs to test their players. It's totally within the remit of the NRL as a league to test players and to come down hard on players who test positive to recreational drugs because it's consistent with other policies they have. The former rugby union international Peter Fitzsimons, who's a colleague and friend, he says, well, how would how would you be if you were tested for you know recreation drugs when you arrived at work every day. And I would say well that I would then have a decision whether I wanted to work there or not. I would be yeah. I'd be free to make or a decision. Or do drugs. Yeah or do drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which case it wouldn't be if I didn't work I wouldn't be able to afford drugs. So that's a catch twenty two situation. I mean you've worked in advertising, you know yeah, exactly what I'm I talking do about. indeed. Yeah. But I'm not personally that interested in the personal lives of players. I'm not personally interested in a lot of gossip. In fact, the biggest uh, currency in online sports journalism now is the transfer market. People right. love to know who's joining who next year, blah, blah, blah. And I don't care about that stuff. Right. So it doesn't really Why don't me. you? My interest in rugby league has kind of uh, morphed into more the sport as it e- exists in the sports market widely. I don't have a favourite NRL team anymore. My favourite team, Illawarra merged with St. George in 1998. And I sometimes have a soft spot for them. It depends if they're wearing the red jumper or not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> involuntary triggers. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I'm kind of not interested in the minutiae. As much as I used to be, I just don't really care who's joining West Tigers next year, because I don't actually care if West Tigers win this weekend. Right. You know what I mean? But you still <laughs> watch it all the time. I watch it because it entertains me. So is it the
0: purity of the sport that you like, or the beauty of it? Yeah, I have been or? asked.
1: I have been. I have been asked by a friend of mine. Um, do you actually just like the scene around it now? Because yeah, yeah. you know everybody, and you don't actually like the sport. And the part of the process of doing the book was to question everything, including that. Everything was on the table when I started the book. I was. Quite happy to finish the year, not liking rugby league anymore, you know. And I, I just, it, it, yeah.
0: it, it could be um, age, Steve, because I mean, I'm mm. I'm a soccer guy, and I've I, I have just lost interest, stroke, gone on strike with Manchester United this mm. year, my team, because I can't stand Jose Mourinho. Mm-hmm. I spent five or six years in the U.S., and I used to go to. Broncos Stadium, which was near where I lived, and I've been to about ten or twelve of the of the American football. you said in Denver, huh? yeah. Yeah, yeah, And I and I love I American like Denver, football, yeah. but one of the things I hate about it is that I go there and there's no, no one really gives a shit who wins or loses. Mm-hmm. It's about selling hot dogs and
1: uh, and then, and tailgating outside and like almost, almost from, having to be forced into the stadium at kickoff. Yeah, and then driving back yeah, home. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like <laughs> and
0: and or leaving with the kids early. Mm-hmm. yeah you know, i I'll, I'll give you an example, and this. This is where my business and your business collide a bit. I went with my girlfriend to, to um, the baseball in Denver, which is their shit. They've got a shit baseball team, the Rockies. It's a night game. It's sunny. Mm. And, you know, you're drink, you know, you can drink a beer and catch up and vaguely watch a game of rounders. As we're going in, I, start, I see a Chewbacca character. And then I see a Princess Leia and a little kid dressed as R2-D2. 2 i going, oh, no, don't tell me there. They're not doing a Star Wars fucking yeah oh oh, they are yeah and and, and the scoreboard has got the, the rockies are the rebels and the and the, and the alliance uh, and sure enough yeah I, I said to her i bet you they'll be holding lightsabers morphed onto there and sure enough they were and you're coming out as a player going this game doesn't really fucking matter this is marketing yeah, yeah, this no, is
1: hoopla i know no but I, but you gotta like with television now like it's like we talk about newspapers you know, newspapers now have to entertain or offer outlandish opinions because people get their raw information <sighs> yeah. from the internet. People get their sports off the TV now, so yeah. if you're going to encourage someone to go, it's about you know you have to do things like that. It's part of the yeah, it's part of the gig now. I know that the Premier League is quite happily sold out most times, but generally speaking, in the Australian sports market, in America, and a lot of places, you people can watch on TV. And rugby league, particularly, is a really good TV sport. Yeah. And you've got to come up with ideas to get. I'd, I'd welcome a few stuff. Star- I mean, we've had weird guys like and tell me what you think of this. They have a Marvel, like a Marvel Comics weekend, and the jerseys are actually like Spider Man and Captain America. Hate it, hate you know. It. I hate but, it. But it's merchandising. It's you know, it's colourful. It I mean, I think attention. the
0: as Doug Stanhope would say, you're ruining the integrity of the sport. I mean, you you, you just. I get that, that there has to be something extra going on when you attend a venue, but. You it's know, a hassle to go like to the, the, a, the, no. the Cleveland Browns are one of the shittest uh, mm. NFL teams, but they don't have cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. They have a, a big old tradition. That, I think they left Cleveland and they came back to Cleveland. and mm. They can do that very easily over there. From and the NFL teams
1: see. don't have these crazy, like where they're, where they're painted with sponsors like racing cars, Yeah, which a lot of other sports now have, yeah. like a thousand different sponsors. The NFL have clean skin jerseys. Yeah. You know? Maybe <laughs>
0: rollerball is is the future. yeah uh, <laughs> This leads into your book, Your so your love of heavy metal, your love of rugby league, and your, I guess, ambition to write a book. Can you talk about how that all came about and how all those three things sort of merged together to form uh, Touchstones, which is coming out next I, week? I,
1: I, I appreciate you asking a question that allows me to plug the book, but I, I could I could... Enter this subject from any hmm. number of doors. But well, how about this? Let's go back uh, but, to but, but, your ch- mm. Let's go
0: back to how does a guy like you end up here at roughly the same age as me? What What was your childhood like? Yeah. Where-
1: well, so I was um, I was adopted, and and I was I was born in Sydney. I was given by the authorities to my parents when I was three months old, and my parents told me that my birth parents had died in a car accident, and I was told right. that my entire life. In about two thousand and uh, did they know otherwise, or they did know otherwise. Um, ah. but there was a, there was a, in two thousand and six, I received a phone call from this girl. I said, "Are you uh, Steve and mascot, Yes, I am. And t- uh, yes, and, and she said, um, "How much do you know about your early life?" And I said, "Well, I was told that I was adopted, and my parents died in a car accident. But I'm guessing that was a lie, and you're my sister. Is that right?"
0: And did you said, say that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> true? Well done. And she said,
1: uh, uh, "Yes." <laughs> so um,
0: we're so, getting into Star Wars territory uh, yeah. <laughs> here, folks. Again, so.
1: <laughs> and now we're married. Yeah. No, no, we're not. Um, and by the way, I <laughs> am your father. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, that is a separate story, and and and. and The reason my parents lied to me was because my mother, um, my birth mother had suffered a mental illness. I've only now heard a name of my putative father in the last 12 months. uh, And I've had no, I've got people looking for him. Or Are they still alive? Well, no, Elizabeth died. And that was Elizabeth, my birth mother. She actually asked Stephanie, my sister, to go looking for me and my birth mother Elizabeth did not call her children Stephen and Stephanie, I was actually called Andrew John Langley. Ah, okay. So that was the way, that was how I was born. So she found me through the family services authorities and uh, you know, uh, obviously I got to know her, I got to know a bit more about m- my history and in recent years I've gone to meet uncles and aunties and stuff yeah. like that. My central question is, if I'd stayed Andrew John Langley, if I'd stayed with Elizabeth, the family was quite bohemian, uh, we had OBEs and MBEs in the family, Really. Uh, doctors, all this sort of stuff. If I'd stayed in Sydney, if I'd stayed on the North Shore, I would be a completely different person. Would. I would imagine. Like, I, I imagine probably I'd probably a I, prick. I'd follow <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you so d- double worse. worse.
1: You would know pricks from Sydney. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I know. I'd probably follow Swans or Rugby Union. I'd probably like indie rock or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I'm like, these are things that, that shape should, you. Yeah. The, well, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I started off. Oh, you should write a book. Yeah. You should write a book. Yeah. Like everyone, I'm sure Join everyone has had yeah. someone yeah. say yeah. that, you know. But then suddenly I was kind of... Had this thing to tie it all together. These things that I think are central to my identity... Are actually a, a result of nurture rather than nature. My whole identity has been debunked in a way. Like, yeah. you know, so this allowed me to attempt to deconstruct... What I like about these things. What impact they have on other people. And to what extent they have an intrinsic value... Or, or they're actually things that need to be left behind. I, the metaphor is, is throwing all your toys out of the cot and then looking at them on the floor and deciding which ones to pick up and carry on with in your life right. and which ones to leave laying on the floor. Was it a big
0: shock to you? Uh, and, about, and, and, and how awkward was it with your adoptive parents? When uh, this well, happened?
1: well, my mother was very ill at the time and I never told her. In fact, she, um, okay. she died. Um, and I didn't want to burden her with it. Right. I, I realised that they meant well. They didn't want me scared when the guy from the adoption agency came to the house uh, every month to see how I was. Yeah. That, that this guy might take me away. And I've spoken to relatives who work in the psychology field who tell me that the accepted wisdom at the time was you've got to get yeah. the kid away from the crazy mum. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So they, they thought they were doing the, the right thing. I guess I lived in a, a, a world of my own creation was Were you like, an only
0: child for the adoptive parents? Um,
1: I was an only child. No, my sister Tammy and my dad now lives with Tammy in Queensland. Oh, I think dad's um, gone into a home. He's been ill recently. But hello, if you're listening, both of you. No, I wasn't an only fun. But I think I lived in a, a world of fantasy. My own The garden shed of my mind, the man shed of my head, yes. you know what I mean? And it was all like rock and roll and rugby league. And, yeah. and so this was kind of like a little pinprick in the balloon when i like, oh, I've got a sister and stuff like that but I still didn't allow myself to absorb the significance of it initially. What happened was my girlfriend who is now my wife we were down at Brighton where my
0: sister lives I might
1: have. All oh, right, a great yes. great, great Hello, bohemian Carolyn. place. Yep. Wonderful bohemian place. And it was like the way my life was was the next week I was going back to do 40 weeks of rugby league and I was so my last Sunday off and yeah. and, and this is a kind of a weird thing but um my my girlfriend then who's now my wife said oh, I was talking to my friend about this book project and I said if Steve is uh, if it's if it's crap he can just write under his birth name and <laughs> and a friend who she worked with at Microsoft in in Australia said uh, what's his birth name and he said oh Andrew John Langley and this lady just froze and she said his mother was a ballerina she danced at Sadler's Wells his da- his grandfather was a surgeon blah blah but wow. she knew the whole family um by sheer coincidence apropos of nothing. Wow. That's when I started to uh, I started I think I started to emerge into the real world that the rest of you inhabit. you know what I mean <laughs> I kind of I speak I, for yourself., <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I took one foot outside of the garden shed of my mind a yeah. little bit and, and like and, and at that time my relationship was, with Sarah wasn't steady. and she helped me meet my cousins and aunties and uncles and learn about where I came from. and the, so in a, in a really weird sort of way, a discussion about my book inspired my book. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know it's a really yeah. weird thing. But again, I'm making it sound autobiographical, and people are going, "I don't want to read about it that boring bloke." Yeah, it's not a book about me. It's a book about the things that you cling to in childhood that give colour to your day. Yeah. Like I don't know, but some people, I'd imagine, some people just see things as they are. They don't have involuntary triggers. That that make them excited. I think of the cover of a, the second Poison album, and I feel excited. <laughs> I don't need to think through yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's involuntary. I see yeah. the cover, and I feel yeah. a sense of excitement. Goosebumps, or yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 I uh, an old football card. Um, and so, were you
0: were you, were you uh, very insular as a kid, or were you?
1: I was. Um, I don't know. Like I've I got to say, I, I I struggled to. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of meaningful conversations with people I went to school with. I had a couple of close mates, but the things that they all wanted to talk about, and it's strange enough, I guess in some ways, a lot of it was football, and, and I gravitated towards rugby league as a kid almost to fit in. Did you, you know? play when you were a kid? I played poorly, very right, poorly. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, I was a wuss. I was right. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I never played. Windang under, Windang under sevens. And I gravitated towards it to, to fit in, I guess, but it was the iconography and, and that's why it's a good question to say, ask me. Do you actually like the sport? Because as yeah. a kid, it was like the colours, the, the yeah, you know, yeah. the, the TV coverage, the, the, the footy cards, the, the scarves, yeah, yeah. the magazines, the all the stuff around it that drew me in initially. Not a bunch of guys <laughs> who were cooler and tougher than me, running at each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that didn't.
0: And you're having the same, you're, you're sort of telling the same thing about uh, music. You're, you talk about album covers and you talk about, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, imagery yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, those things. And again, that heavy metal was all logos and, you know, you know it was all about kind it of was, who could it was, outdo but it, themselves. But with. it was
1: also, but the difference was rugby league was played by tough alpha males. Yeah. And in many cases, heavy metal was played by kind of misfits and losers. Yeah, yeah. Even the ones who, like, subsequently became sex symbols, you know, yeah. they... They had to tease up their hair and wear spandex. Yeah. And in many ways, they actually countered each other in my imagination because one was me trying to fit in, and the other one was me being proud of being different. I had a fo- foot in each camp a little bit. Like I was kind, of, I liked rugby league, but I was a wuss and I was bad at playing it. And I couldn't play an instrument, but they were both one half of me. You know, I was yeah. kind of I'm trying to fit in with one of them, and I'm trying to assert my individuality with the other. And how I mean, were
0: you academically then, when I went
1: you got... I went okay. I was in like the a class in high school but you know I was one of the last generation of kids to get a job out of high school in, in, journalism. in journalism so I didn't have oh, yeah. to go to uni and I probably socially I missed it uh, a little bit I was also very focused when I was in school I would um, I would send away for things like I had mail all the time I was like a 15 year old who had mail every day yeah, yeah. and I was like What's, I never had, my friends would like I never had mail there used to be there was a book that you could send away for free shit, dinosaur posters or boring science stuff. Yeah. I'd send away for everything. You know what I mean? If haven't? it's free, you go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 why not? But I was focused. So I had stories published when I was in, um, when I was still in high school, I had right. like stories published in a basketball magazine. One of your, oh, I've right. got all your hates down, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a basketball magazine, I did a story on Iron Man, the Mercer brothers, right. for, uh, for a general sports magazine. By the time I went and applied for a job, I'd, I'd actually had stuff portfolio, published. I was, right. I was yeah. very, very focused, you know. Yeah. And, and as I said, I kind of...
0: Did you always feel that you were going to do writing of some sort? Kind you of, know
1: what? It wasn't. It was more a way, how do I work in that field? How do I be around this Straight out of school, how can I do this quickly? Yeah, I, I couldn't suddenly be a club chief executive at right. the age of seventeen. I couldn't. I didn't really want to play. Yeah, I kind of. It was dangerous. You'd only last the best ten years, yeah. you know, whatever. And I was shit. Once I got in, I knew that it wasn't something to be flaunted. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't something to be. Did you get to straight, straight in boy. as a young kid? I, I was covering. I was covering Steelers home games in 1986 wow. when I was still I was seventeen. Yeah, yeah. so I was in year ten. I used to, oh, my parents' phone bill. I used to ring up and just try to, like, like there used to be surfing, and we had people, because I'm from a surf, surfing suburb, again, yeah. never stood up on a board in my life. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, but but because it was a surfing suburb, I remember I would ring the paper in Honolulu and say, Do you want me to cover this surfing thing? God knows how much my parents, in those days, ringing the paper in Honolulu as a 16 as a year old going, Oh, what Do they'd you want say me to yes. No, they. I never got to cover a surfing thing, but one, I'll tell you how it started. I... I there was a goal kicking competition, Right. and it was when Mal Meninga first joined Canberra, and it was his first appearance in a Canberra jersey, and uh, at Wollongong Showground, it was a pre-season promo for the.
0: Mal Meninga probably the most
1: famous. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And um, we've just currently the, coaches Queensland, Australia, Australia, sorry, Australia. Um, yeah, and there was a goal kicking competition, so I <laughs> called up everyone to want me to cover this goal kicking competition. And everyone said to me, no, we're going to get it off AAP, which is AAP was like Reuters. Yeah, And I'm like, OK, I'll ring whatever this AAP is. I'll look it up in the phone book. And I rang them up and they said, yeah, we'll take 10 parts, you know. And the next year I was covering Steelers games for AAP. And then my first job was at AAP, you know. So um, so yeah. they,
0: they just, where did you get the foresight to do that as a young fellow? I,
1: mean, the- I don't know. I just, it was logic yeah. to me. You want to do that. You ask someone. Yeah. You just keep asking. I, I wrote to yes.
0: I wrote to the BBC when I was thirteen, because I used to do um, stand up. My, my joke is I used to do stand up comedy until everyone told me to sit down. <laughs> it was about the only funny joke I wrote, and I it's think I probably idea. didn't even write that. But but uh, I used to do impersonations of all the sports commentators. Yeah. And I I just I, I was thinking God the best job I could ever have would be. Being a TV sports commentator for yeah. soccer, going yeah. to Manchester United every week, and I remember I wrote to the BBC when I was about fourteen. And my dad said, "Yeah, you should write to them and ask them." And I'm like, "I'm a twat. I's 14 but I, I wrote a letter, and they wrote me a lovely letter yeah, back yeah. from the BBC, like mainly showing my dad how they were just appeasing me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never thought any of that, but I, I, I love the idea that you were you were um, kind of serious about, it, and that you were getting money for it, and that suddenly, the, the, from that little acorn kind of thing,
1: yeah, and then. A couple of years ago, and I'm like, okay, so th- this is what got me here. And th- what got, and when I say here, I'm not trying to say that here is great, but I'm just saying here is here. No, but you, <laughs> yeah. be, you, you yeah. got
0: to become, just for those listening, mm. probably the most preeminent rugby league journalist, you and three or four others in Australia.
1: Fair? According to some people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> according
0: to my research last yeah, night. Yeah. yeah anyway, but, 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 I mean, everyone who I spoke to has heard of you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, you're, the, you're that guy.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, but, and then I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just didn't, I failed to be, it doesn't impress me. When I say it was doesn't. Is it getting imp- boring? I was borderline obsessive compulsive. When the newspapers stopped paying for us to fly to games, I paid myself.
0: And, um, I mean, but you're butting up with the collapse and continuing collapse of newspapers. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. you know, you can understand your employer's position on yeah, 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 these totally. things and sport and, you know, mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount It's of-
1: just sport. And, that's, and then I guess I was obsessive-compulsive in, in so many ways. I still saw the world in boxes. I saw everything in boxes. Our meeting today would be in a box. It would be... Yeah. Um, and, and, and that behaviour made me do the things when I was 16. But that behaviour was now starting to be harmful. I wasn't able to form normal relationships. What had aided me for 25 years was now starting to hurt me. And so this whole realisation about um, learning about my family, suddenly realising, because I kind of thought of myself as being almost immaculate. I had no... I couldn't blame my parents for anything. You know, I can't say Dad was a drunk or yeah. you know, I should stay with a son. Mum got... Skin I, yeah. I didn't know any of that stuff. And I was I felt a little bit different in suburban Wollongong. I don't know why, but I did. And so so I kind of had this feeling that I was almost in a movie. And when I found out that I belonged somewhere, that I'd come from somewhere, it was a relief to figure yeah. out I was just like everybody else. Yeah. And, and I didn't need to prove that point anymore
0: it's interesting the thin line between what you would call say obsessive compulsive disorder or whatever mm. you want to call it, and passion mm, mm. you know one person's one is the other person's the other you know yeah 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 and i mean i love that idea of being a movie. i f- that's the first time anyone said that to me and i feel a little bit like now that i think about it my life's a bit like that In if i if i look back in it in terms of i i felt from an early age it was me against the world or mm. it was not that doesn't you know but it was me you feel
1: like you're you're the central character all the time yeah not it's not not, egotistical. A, yeah, it's not, not egotistical. a narcissistic but yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. but, but it's like you're i got not,
0: myself into this i've got to get myself you're out not of passing
1: it. through the world the world is going around you yeah, yeah, yeah. the world's going like that and Truman you're st- show yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and you're almost still and the world is revolving under yeah,
0: you yeah yeah and
1: and and i always felt felt like that. And, that's why I kind of it made sense to me to ring up and try to be on the TV yeah. or try to be in the yeah. paper or whatever because yeah. it was like it's there for me it's there What did your for
0: friends me. say when you were doing this? Did they think you were crazy? Um
1: did you care? Nah,
0: Didn't I never care. Yeah, no,
1: I never cared. I never cared. I never cared. I never cared. I've never really been someone who I've always been more interested in strangers than friends. I've yeah, always someone, I've yeah. always wanted to impress strangers yeah. far more than I friends.
0: Yeah. I mean it's the same for me with this podcast it's mm. been great for me just hearing other people's life stories and just mm-hmm. sort of sharing them and having a bit of banter with them.
1: I think it does catch you out sometimes being like that when you feel that you're a central character in yeah. every single narrative. It does catch you out. And sometimes you do do things that are bad or that are hurtful and you don't mean it. I go out of the way to help people, like I oh, will drop someone home if yeah. it's way out of my way, just little yeah. things like that. But then on a, small, on a more subtle level, yeah. I'm not as considerate as I should be. Right. Because... Well, probably, I've had that mentality. Probably
0: none of us are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I would say curiosity is a thing that I'm... Yeah, yeah, I'm a curious person, so mm-hmm. I'm interested in... I'm, I'm interested in what other people... have, what, What's happened in other people's lives and what what lessons I could learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, so moving on then, maybe a good place to go with it is the, um, w- when you were uh, at the uh, Wigan game. And mm-hmm. that might be a nice place to sort of start because that's where action happened on, on your... It gave you the inspiration for your...
1: So, again i started off you should write a book okay i started writing a book and i sat on a plane and wrote a book and it just i'm not saying that directionless that, it was directionless and i wrote about my uh mate who uh who who uh had these terrible stories from the 70s and 80s with you know <laughs> all these really disgusting sex stories and i'm like oh i will just start there it's funny you know what i mean yeah. and so and um um and i'm like yeah well that's kind of disgusting and if uh if I, ever, if I ever have to do promo for this book, he's going to be the most hated man in the world. It's just going to strike the wrong chord, you know. <laughs> and, and so then I, I had the idea of uh, the only way I'm going to get this book finished is to have a deadline. So why not write about the deadline? So I did 52 gigs and 52 games in 52 weeks. 52
0: rock Rab- gigs and 52, and 52 rugby, rugby, league, rugby games. league games. Yeah.
1: Okay. Then I was you know ready to start writing, and, and it was uh, last. It was two Novembers ago now, and, um, and I was in a, uh, covering a test between England and New Zealand in Wigan. And uh, the night before, I was just in the hotel room, and I turned on CNN, and there were the terrorist attacks. And they'd tried to get into a football stadium, and they'd obviously yeah. gone to the Eagles a death metal show and killed a lot of people. I thought, why? What is it? These things must represent something about society that's a threat to you yeah. know, just fundamentalists and stuff. like What do these, these things represent? And so I thought it would be a really good idea to try to explore that. So I already had two ideas for yeah. the book, two concepts. That idea that I just described is, was very dry, too scholarly, and if you're not paying money, it's hard to get experts to ring you back. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get experts to reply to an email yeah. if you're doing a book if there's not something in it for them. I've set myself a task that every time I'm asked what the book's about I'm going to come up with something different and the one thing I said to you before we started recording was um, you know this guy who took on the terrorists at London Bridge who um, said I'm Millwall and took on these knife-wielding terrorists with his bare hands and it was not a surprise to me I might add I know
0: given Millwall's uh, fan reputation
1: yeah yeah but I'm saying like that you know, was he wearing hooliganism as a badge of honour or was he wearing Millwall as a badge of honour? I don't know. But if he's wearing Millwall as a badge of honour... I think they're one of the same. They're one of the same.
0: <laughs> Sorry to any Millwall fans who may be listening. <laughs>
1: but I'm like, what is it What den? is it? just about a football team that can make you take on knife-wielding yeah. terrorists, you know? Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's such a big part of your identity, you know? And so all of these things we've discussed, and that's why I said... The discussion about the book it's like a building that fills a whole block and there's about seven or eight doors and we can go in yeah. any door we want um it's just what's inside i hope is okay
0: where do you stand on all that terrorism shit that's going on around the world
1: we in the west are under the misapprehension that we're living in peacetime because there aren't tanks in the street you know there aren't soldiers marching down the street Yeah, yeah yeah and ireland doesn't do this but but Australia does, and UK does, and certainly America does. We actually export war, like yeah. a, you know, frozen meat or something. So we drop bombs and launch missiles. And when you're outnumbered, I believe it's it's guerrilla warfare. When you're outnumbered, mm. there's this fanaticism and this willingness to die, which, which resonated from the end of Second World War for yeah. sixty. 70 years people yeah. went, oh, Kamikaze. The, the, uh, growing up, the word Kamikaze was in your yeah. mind. It was yeah. like, it was so unthinkable. That gives it another dimension. It makes it very hard to fight. Obviously, I'm not a religious person at all. I think religion is a curse on humanity. Mm, I agree with you there. Um, and so, there's two thoughts on it that aren't connected at all. One thought is that we are at war, yeah. and our enemy uses guerrilla tactics because that's yeah. one of the only. Tactics open to them, yeah. but on the other hand, you've got this blind belief in in a mantra. And look at the Crusades. Look at all the yeah, yeah. atrocities that have been perpetrated in the name of Christianity. Yeah, I find the um, whole religion thing here in Ireland like amazing. Cause, like, I know that it's not about Religion per se—it's not about beliefs. It's just like that guy's second name is that, so he's mm-hmm. this, and that guy's, and the the top of that steeple is like that shape, so it's that.
0: Despite our new homosexual prime minister, <laughs> we're uh, we're still pretty churchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very
1: very churchy, very churchy. So God bother us I mean,
0: my view on it is, I think that the, the you know that the it's it's just really difficult to to have a conversation with anybody who's so far left that as soon as you mention. Islam. Are you criticize a religion? The religion to criticize right now, or to discuss, mm. it, I think, is Islam. Mm. You you quickly get labeled a bigot, and, and and yet the the biggest problem is there's a war within Islam right now. The mm. the, the most casualties are, are other Muslims, apostate yes. Muslims. And, and I think Islam has has some questions to answer. I think, mm. you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm not a bigot. I believe anyone can practice whatever religion mm. they want, but, you know, do not walk into the Black Heart in Camden and uh, chuck a grenade at people just because mm. they don't fucking believe you.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yes, there were American bombings, and yes, the Middle East is a mess, and yes, there are lots of excuses behind it, but as a, a theism, this faith has to appreciate that they don't live in times where everybody who doesn't believe them should die and not all of them believe that and uh, some of the teachings can be misinterpreted and I'm doing a lot of research into it before I mouth off on my podcast and get a fatwa put on me by somebody with a beard somewhere, I have a beard as well by the way I don't think Trump helps and I don't think his solution is 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 a humane one or an honest one and I do believe I've got many uh, Muslim friends and I know that they're mortified and upset about this yeah. and I don't think there's a, sim- a simple answer the book developed then over 52 weeks what we, we could see- actually
1: stay on that subject for the next three hours. Well, know. that's why <laughs> I I I, I <laughs> You've got to move right I, along. <laughs> it's, it
0: sounded like I was, and I was flipping away from it because mm. I'm I'm studying it a lot, and I don't want to. Uh, I want to make sure that I've I've uh, understood my own point of view and my yeah, uh, yeah, perspective, yeah. and I don't want to be trotting off. Uh, nor, do nor I don't want it to be trotting off the regressive left theory, Mm-mm. which is oh, leave them alone; they're a peaceful religion because I don't think it's a peaceful religion. I think it's very, uh, it's a pro- approach to women and and. Uh, well, look at the uh, yeah, apostates as a calling
1: about the. The, the Old Testament and yeah. some other things. Yeah, and okay. I, as I said, if there
0: was a, uh, you know, if the Anglican church suddenly said we're tooling up in, in Norwich and we're, we're, we're going on horseback down through Germany and we're going to, you know, free Jerusalem uh, for Christianity and kill all the Jews and the, and the, and the Muslims there, mm. they would be shut down pretty yes, damn yeah, fucking yeah. They quick. Would, they wouldn't oh, agree, get to oh, the great. ferry, you know. And again,
1: you also get this thing where, where you bring up alternative points of view and suddenly you become an apologist or so you become yeah, politically yeah. correct. Those way, those terms, like politically correct, they're, they're all empty. They're just yeah. used to shut people down, to, yeah. to, to, to stifle discussion of the actual issues. And, and even even the whole left and right thing is like... Um, until th- the, the rise of terrorism, uh, of Islamic terrorism, because it's obviously been yeah. terrorism of all... Until the rise of Islamic terrorism, I never really thought in terms of left and right, really. I yeah. had a view on that issue and I had a view on that issue and I didn't really... And they can be different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never really thought of myself as, like, a left or a tree-hugging liberal yeah. or I never thought of myself as... Yeah. But, we, well, we
0: need to get back to that, I think.
1: Yeah, but but, but now my position, my, my tactic in this is that whatever I say, whatever that makes me, that's what I am. Whatever you want to call me, that's what I am. I'll go on social media and go, hello, it's the tree-hugging liberal here or whatever. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. Now, can we get back to the issue? I try to depersonalise it by accepting every insult yeah. at face value. Yeah. Whatever insult you want to throw at me, I'm that. And let's go back to talking about the issue. Remove you the outrage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it has, as far as how it's affected my life since, it's enormous. My, I'm, I'm, This is the middle of the... We're in the middle of state of origin. I'm sitting in a garden in Dublin. Yeah. Now... When I started this book, I wouldn't have been able to bear to do that. Like, you right. no, like like I was so locked into the routine. So, and what I, is that? What has happened there? Have you become more relaxed? Or? I've put my obsessions in a little. Uh, we used to, when we were kids in Australia, we'd go to old gold mining things and we'd do yeah. like gold Troll, in a tray. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I've put my obsessions in there, and I've kind of drained out the stuff that I don't need anymore, or yeah. maybe I have it. Maybe it's a, it, it isn't important to me anymore the guy who sent the letters off and wanted to be part of it who wanted yeah. to be there wanted to know the people it's not important to me anymore to feel that i'm a part of it and they and they know me i'm happy to take what i benefit from out of my obsession and to leave the rest and if i can earn a living by sitting here in a garden in ireland and state of origin is on 20,000 k's away and i still get to watch it and i still get money goes in my account yeah. and i'm got a smile on my face yeah then I don't need to be there. I don't need to be waiting for some gibber yeah. to come out of the dressing room at 11.45. You're achieving... give me a shit quote. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know. <laughs>
0: you may have achieved wisdom. <laughs> which happens to us all. What's the future hold for Steve Mascord? Oh
1: I'll have to ask him. <laughs> uh, at the moment, I'm going backwards and forwards to Australia. Uh, I'd like to not have to go back all the time, so I'd like to be able to earn... All, I've, got, I've got a UK citizenship now. That, and, and this is... Um, probably giving away the end of the book but it's not a, a crime thriller so you right, can give yeah. away the end you know uh spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert, <laughs> but my mother ma- but my mother was born in the uk and uh and uh, i never met her and she used to send me presents yep. that i never received and i got citizenship thanks to her she's born in the uk so one present finally got through at the age of 48 be very happy with at the that. age of 48 one present got through
0: very good Steve, thanks a million for taking time out to, to chat with me. Mean, I love that. It's great. I wish you all the best of the book. Thank you. Lovely future, to meet you. And Lovely I, to meet you. All, I learned a lot today from you, so look after yourself. Thank you.